Welcome to another edition of Around with Randall, your weekly 10 to 12 minute podcast on making your nonprofit more effective for your community. And here is your host, the CEO and founder of Hallett Philanthropy, Randall Hallett. Appreciate you joining me this week on the podcast. Want to delve a little bit into the compliance and legal side of philanthropy and fundraising, applicable well beyond healthcare, to say the least. Maybe it's my uh, law degree and still love of reading Supreme Court decisions and dicta that comes along with uh, various cases. But I have been following, as many have been, uh, the stream of data breaches that has now reached into philanthropy in a major way. As probably you're aware or you've heard rumblings about, but Blackbaud, through its product, Razor's Edge and NXT and its CRM platforms, had a data breach. And I don't want to throw the company under the bus. There are enough people doing that already. But I think it's a really good opportunity for us to learn about the importance of compliance, security, and working with people who are really talented in this area within our organization, whether that's uh, compliance per se, legal counsel, and or IT. So just a little context, but without even a shadow of a doubt that the breach of the Blackboard online platform with Razor's Edge and NXT has been a, it's the largest breach in healthcare in its history. Uh, we're t- the uh, to this date we still don't even know the the, the amount of records that could potentially uh, have been uh, been invaded outside of even healthcare. Obviously, Blackboard and Razor's Edge controls an enormous percentage of the market in education, social services, and other places. But in healthcare, because of the way the laws are written, it actually has more teeth in terms of damage, at least potentially. We're talking about millions and millions and millions of records, not only in the United States, but around the world. Uh, And in healthcare, we're talking about organizations, huge organizations that are places like Inova with a million plus records or uh, uh, Advent Health System could be in the multiple millions. Um, SCL, which is out of uh, Colorado, Sisters of Charity of Leavenworth is north of uh, probably 500,000 records. It just goes on and on and on and on. And it's going to be a challenge going forward. The other interesting thing that's come is, is that there are now lawsuits that are being pushed forward. And in fact, just recently here at the right end of 2020, the federal courts have gotten involved and started to bring a lot of these lawsuits and these uh, filings together so that they're not running in parallel jurisdictions. They're going to probably end up with one massive case to look at this if it gets that far, but certainly in terms of negotiation. Uh, Just recently, the federal courts brought these together for Blackboard in terms of its data security practices, how uh, people had unauthorized access, the extent of what personal information was actually breached, when Blackboard should have known or did know, 
Um, what is the investigate? What kind of investigation did they do under the break and the alleged delay if there was one? That's all kind of the legal side. I just like saying it because I remember studying it a long time ago, at least some things like it. Here, here's what it all means is, is that for a number of years, uh, particularly in healthcare, but I think it's applicable in education and other places, there are obviously different databases. So in healthcare, it's the electronic health record, which is the most protected record that there is. In education, it's it's around the where grades and, per, and student information is kept. That's at a little bit different level of security traditionally than has been the donor database or the client relations management system that uh, foundations use. Uh, in other places, uh, records around if you're an art, what what kind of art and how you know things are kept in security. That's going to be different than a donor database. It, it, uh, anything dealing with social services, where you're dealing with potential uh, private information about the people that you're serving. Uh, and all of these things include things like social security numbers in many cases. So why I bring this up is, is that we've been allowed in philanthropy to kind of run parallel, but really outside of the v- view of compliance and legal. I mean, they're aware we're there. We They're aware that we have a, a system for the most part, but they don't look at us, treat us in terms of security as they do the electronic health record or the student uh, grades and, and, and uh, student records or, or, or whatever database they're using or the type of information, social services, or we mentioned art and the, the security that goes along with that. We've been allowed to kind of I, I, I operate in a little bit of a silo. And what I'm here to tell you is, is that it's my belief that this lawsuit and then because of COVID and a presidential election, that uh, a lot of attention was drawn away from this as that COVID uh, becomes more controlled, hopefully, and the election were passed, that I think state attorney generals are going to get involved with this because their citizenry was affected. And we're going to have massive investigations. What this is all going to lead to is, is that the siloing or kind of the independence that philanthropy has enjoyed when it comes to databases is going to end quickly. And there are some things we need to get ready for. And if you are a database manager or you're the chief development officer, or you are a leader inside the organization within philanthropy, you're going to have to get ready for some changes. And some things that we normally think are easy are not going to be anymore. So as we try to every week, let's talk a little bit about the tactical. What are some things you can do right now to kind of get ready for this and what your organization probably is going to start pushing and asking a lot of questions about if they haven't already. Uh, number one is, is you, you desperately need to sit down with whomever is in charge of compliance, legal security, and that could be a myriad of people depending on the, the type of philanthropy that you're in. Uh, compliance has its own department in healthcare, but IT might be the security you have in education. It, whatever the whatever it is, you need to sit down and have a conversation and say, look, this is what we do. We want to make sure our data is secure. I've talked to and, and had multiple conversations with absolutely just distraught clients who are now having to send out letters in healthcare. If you didn't know this, it's required you notify if there's a breach that they're having to send out letters to their donors saying your information might've been taken. 
that is not a letter that, and you can justify it by saying, well, so it was somebody else's fault. It's somebody else who did it. It was a third party vendor. But at the end of the day, the donor doesn't care. The donor is looking at you saying, well, how did you let this happen? So an affirmative step, tactically, the first thing is sit down with compliance, talk to them about what you do, talk to them about compliance and how security works and things of that nature. And the second thing is, is you need to be ready for change. You're going to probably have to look at two-party two, uh, or two-part uh, author, uh, uh, authorization. Like we think about when you log in to pay a credit card or look at your credit card bill, they send you a six or eight-digit code via your cell phone. There probably is going to be something coming down the road like that, which you might think of as inconvenient, but legally in compliance and security is going to say, we don't care. You're going to where and how and who has access to data is going to change. So sitting down and being ready for change is the two biggies. And remember this, and, and I've had my own, I don't want to call them run-ins, but my own conversations with security people and compliance people over the years. And it, maybe it helps them a lawyer. And I know what the law is. And I actually have a copy of what it is in healthcare out of page 5,700 from the, the uh, federal regulations that I carry with me as an example. These are good people. They're doing their very best. They don't understand what we do. And all they know is, is that they are concerned about what their responsibility is, which is, by the way, a good thing about not get, having people have access to data they're not allowed to have. They're coming from the right place. And if you don't be affirmative and supportive of what they're trying to do, they have the ability just to shut it all down until they can figure it out. So going in with the right attitude, asking the right questions, being willing to educate, being willing to partner is really an important, not only tactical step, but it's also important philosophically. Number So those are kind of one and one A. Sit down with compliance, be ready for change, have a good attitude. Number two is, is you're going to have to probably work with vendors. So I think the idea of how people screen data whether that's well screening or the ever, which we've talked about on previous podcasts, the, the coming viewpoint of looking at likelihood is going to change. The security requirements of where data is put, screened and put back and uploaded and downloaded are going to be different. And so getting your vendors to be prepared for that's really important. And another piece of this is my guess, insur- the insurance that consultants are going to have to carry or third party vendors is going to go up, which is not cheap. And so there may be situations where you run into uh, a scenario where a vendor can't afford that kind of security. How are you going to handle that if that's the vendor you really want? And I'm not just talking about screening. I'm talking about analysis. I'm talking about consultants like myself. I'd begin that conversation with key people to say, look, our organization's having a lot of questions, has a lot of conversation going on, discussion internally, which is appropriate you should just be aware. I think you would help your relationship with your vendors, your, your consultants and the people that support your activity to make sure you're ready for those changes. And then finally, know what the rules are. They're different in each part of our philanthropic segments in the industry. You know, it, it, for us, it's high tech and, and the changes to uh, HIPAA. In education, it's about, I mean, that's what drives the, the, the security conversations. In education, it's FERPA and the, and the, and the ability for the, that law from the 1970s to protect data. 
you got to know what the rules are and what you're allowed not to have and how it needs to be secured and what the what what the implications are of some type of breach you're taking. Because if you don't, you're already in the hole when you're talking to compliance. You need to be at least somewhat knowledgeable about what the rules are. And there's a lot of different places that you can find that information. The last is is, is kind of a crazy, I'll call it coincidental parallel track to what we're talking about. And that's coming out of COVID or maybe during COVID into out coming out of it is I think that security is going to get more challenging and probably a good thing that it is because we're working remotely. What kind of security do you have on if you're working from home on your Wi-Fi? How do you, how do you get into systems? At some point, my guess is there's going to be some requirements to say, if you want to work from a third location, a third party location, i.e. your home, another office, remote learning, whatever, they're going to mandate certain requirements on something like your home Wi-Fi and your router. What kind of security do you have there? Because they need to guarantee that they're, that someone can't get in through a side door. So this is more than just downloading something, which is something very standard talked about, you know, going to an email and the filching and they, you know, you click on something and it downloads malware it may get more complicated than that. And so your ability to think about, okay, I've got people working in all these different locations. Do they all have the type of security we need? Do they all have passwords on their uh, particular Wi-Fi at home or wherever they are? Do they use public Wi-Fi? All thing, does someone else have access to that Wi-Fi? I mean, think about this scenario. You got two kids studying at home and your employer all of a sudden says, you got to be on your own Wi-Fi network. We just can't allow third parties to be sharing that Wi-Fi band, uh, even with the right security. So there's a million things you can worry about, but these are a couple tactical things that you might take with you. Uh, but I, I really encourage you to sit down with compliance and start talking about it and trying to get out ahead of it. You'll find that there are good people trying to do the right things. Just a couple quick reminders. Don't forget about the blogs on the website. That's Hallett. Philanthropy, that's two L's and two T's, philanthropy.com, two, three a week, really just about kind of our profession, 90-second reads. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time, kind of like the podcast, keep it short, keep it sweet, make sure that you're directed in what you're trying to get to. Also, if you have a comment about this podcast or any podcast, two places you can go. First one is if you disagree on something, my, uh, my homage to Clark Howard and Clark Stinks, I call it Randall Reeks. Reeks, R-E-E-K-S, at hallettphilanthropy.com if you disagree with something or have a comment. Or if you want to make a suggestion about a particular podcast subject, I'm glad to take those. That's at podcast at hallettphilanthropy.com. As I do each and every week, I want to remind you what you're doing out there in the nonprofit world is so incredibly important. It's a vocational call. Those of us who love what we do, who really don't think we go to work every day, but we go to make a difference, you're one of those type of people, most likely, if you're listening to something like this. Thank you for what you do. Embrace the ability for change, even though it's complicated, even though it's hard. It is so worthwhile to know you're changing your organization and your organization's affecting your community, making a difference for a lot of people who aren't represented and not heard most of the time. It always brings me to my favorite quote. Some people make things happen. Some people watch things happen. Then there are those who wondered what happened. 
And I love that because in life, we fall into one of those categories every moment we're breathing. And the great thing about fundraising philanthropy is that we're people who are making things happen for people who are wondering what happened. And I don't know a better way to spend a professional career. I've looked, but this is the best. So thank you for what you're doing for your nonprofit and for your community and for those that you're taking care of. It is a worthwhile, worthy, lifelong professional endeavor. We'll see you next week here on Around with Randall. And remember, make it a great day.